So I think when you do something that you know and, and it, it really has your personality in it, I think it, I think people see that and they relate to it. And that's kind of the whole point of what we do, right? Is animation and storytelling, but it's also people have to connect to certain things to be able to understand it and to be able to go let you in to take them on that journey of the story you want to tell. Hello, welcome everyone to Straight Ahead, an animation podcast where we spotlight rising black, indigenous, and people of color who are the future voices of the animation industry. I'm Raymond Ozolanda, one half of your co-host. And I'm Yuki Okamura-Wong, the other half of our whole host. Our guest this week is Marissa Torres. She is a Cuban-American artist working as a background painter at Nickelodeon. Would you mind telling us a bit more about yourself? Hi, nice to be here, you guys. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, like Yuki just said, my name is Marissa Torres. I'm Cuban-American. My grandparents came over from Cuba, and I grew up in Houston, Texas. And yeah, I went to school in at the Academy of Art in San Francisco, and then I've been working since, and currently I'm a background painter at Nickelodeon. So the way we like to start off on Straight Ahead is by playing a fun little game called In Between. We're going to give you two similar choices, and then you have to choose in between the two of them, and then let us know why. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, cool. I'll start us off with the first question. Which gray-haired motherly figure would you rather have as your caretaker? Muriel from Courage the Cowardly Dog or Bunny Bravo from Johnny Bravo? Okay, here's the thing. Johnny Bravo, I love. <laughs> is I feel like it's a little problematic, you know what I mean? Like it is a little crazy. <laughs> this guy, all he does is hit on women. That's all he does. But he cracks me up. Like even as a kid, I was dying of laughter every time his dumb little face came up. <laughs> I think it's okay because n- nobody's ever like, "Wow, what a great guy." They're always right. like, "What a like, <laughs> what a true. skis." <laughs> He's supposed to be the worst. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Plus, he's also one of the characters where, like, he actually never gets any woman he hits on. He's True. constantly so it's like like shut down. Yeah. yeah, they're making yes. fun of a of a of a person like that. So it's not like they're encouraging that behavior because, like, no, this guy's constantly getting shut down, and this behavior doesn't work. That is yeah. very true. Like, you would never want to be like him, but you enjoy watching him fail at just everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I also love Muriel though from Courage. I like Eustace was the 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 guy's name, right? The guy, He's yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Eustace was hilarious. Yeah, the amount of uh, Courage the Coward the Dog references that I still use on an adult basis is pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, that makes sense. Like, I, I feel like it, for a lot of people, like, well, at least at my age, like SpongeBob, all that SpongeBob references still yeah. like current stuff. So you can definitely tell, like, your childhood depending on the age of references that you, oh, yeah, you tend to use. <laughs> definitely. For sure. I, I, my boyfriend has um, three younger siblings that are all teenagers now. And when I try speaking to them, it's like a different planet. I have, they have no idea what I'm saying. I have no idea what they're saying. <laughs> it's weird being on the other side of that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm not supposed to be that old. I'm still in my mid-20s. How am I not understanding teenagers already? <laughs> I have a couple, a few nephews at this point now, but like mm-hmm. luckily they're still at the age where they're learning how to talk. So the only reason I don't understand them is because they actually speak gibberish, oh, not because they're using reference. <laughs> not because they're referencing something makes... I don't know. Right, that makes sense. <laughs> so yeah, so so back to the question: Which uh, gray-haired motherly figure would you rather have as your caretaker be- between the two? Skull and Muriel. You know Muriel. Yeah, why, yeah. why? Why her over Bunny Bravo? Because. 
I feel like if Bunny Bravo raised Johnny Bravo, there's a problem. <laughs> She's a helicopter parent. If she raised him, there's something that there was something not right. There's going a problem. On. It's always there's, the parent. There's an issue. <laughs> but Mary, okay. like, Mary would just be sweet. You know, she would just take care of me. I know, but you you would also like in turn have to deal with Eustace. Yeah, but I like Eustace. I like Eustace. Like you know what I'm okay. saying? I just like <laughs> Eustace. Eustace is fine. I can put up with Eustace. <laughs> okay. All right. Awesome. <laughs> what would you go with, Ray? Oh, uh, me? I would. Yeah, I, I think. I feel like I think you, you, you did, but you, um, you kind of knows me at this point what I tend to go with because I, I tend to think <laughs> to like real world or like the surroundings where I'm like, I don't want to live in the middle of nowhere. That's <laughs> like, at least, true. At least, There's other factors at least involved. Buddy Bravo lives in the suburbs, and from the looks of it, it looks like she's not like. Kind of to your point, like if she raised Johnny Bravo, how is she raising him? So it doesn't look like I'll have a lot of parental supervision. So that's also okay. Those are also good points. <laughs> so maybe I would, I would go with Buddy Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> those are also good points. Yeah, uh, I just I gotta go, let my hair also. grow out a little longer. Oh more, yeah, that's true. Cloth. You already have the swoop. Yeah. I do have the swoop. <laughs> oh, almost there. Whoa! <laughs> if you went Super Saiyan, you would be Johnny Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I'll, I'll up your question to I am now Johnny Bravo. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> what about you, Yuki? I, I would go with Muriel. Yeah? I watched recently the, the Curse the Cowardly Dog Scooby-Doo crossover movie. And mm-hmm. Muriel bakes oh, like yeah. some Scottish shortbread or whatever. They're like, they're just like shortbread cookies. And I was like, wow, I want those so bad. I, like, I'm dreaming of them. <laughs> I, I just want to be doted on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Middle of nowhere? That's fine. Who needs people? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into the last question. Who would you rather try to escape from? The other mother from Coraline or Oogie Ooh. Boogie from The Nightmare Before Christmas? Oh, crap. Who would I rather escape from? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like maybe I could run faster than Oogie Boogie. But maybe I'm making it up. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. A greater fear from the other mother. She's freaky. When she turns into the like bug thing at the mm-hmm. end. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. Not interested in uh, spiders? <laughs> no. No, no, no. I don't like that. <laughs> she got those creepy. You know why? Because she got Coraline has to go through that tunnel. Mm-hmm. And I feel like her creepy long legs you know like they're gonna come snatch her through the tunnel or something mm. i don't know i don't a like that a little bit claustrophobia fear yeah yeah a little bit a <laughs> little bit i feel like oogie boogie you could just maybe sock him in the face and try and run and you might make it out <laughs> you might i don't know but you might is it the bugs factor because oogie boogie is also made of bugs Oh, that's true. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, I feel like I was going to say, if you punch him, you're punching just a, a bag. It's not like a full, like, oh, solid man. human being in there. It's like all these that's bugs true. are just going to, like, spew out onto you. I forgot that. I totally forgot he was. He's just a creepy burlap sack. Maybe I just forfeit and go in the corner, and I'm like, we're done here. Just, it's not going to be about. <laughs> who, would you, who would you rather then? Let's see. I'm gonna, I'm still, I think I'm still going to... You know, but now, okay, see, now you're bringing up all the things because if you punch him and the bugs go everywhere, 
No. Well, you don't have to punch him. Oh, that's true. I don't have to punch him. (laughs) You really stuck on the punching. I feel like I seem violent right now. I don't mean to sound violent. (laughs) I'm going into escape mode. Yeah, maybe I can still outrun him. So I'll go for a Mm. debugging. Okay. What what about you, Yuki? What would you go with? Um, well, how about the opposite? I think I do I wouldn't escape from either of them. I've just given up at this point. But like <laughs> uh, But like Oogie just it seems more fun. Hey, I, you die in like a uh, gambling based fashion. That seems fun. Yeah, like fun. Right before I die. Other mother, she's serious. She's take scary. my eyes? No, thank you. I'd rather die. I would choose Oogie Boogie because I think I'd be able to outsmart him. I don't think he's a very smart person. I think uh, Other Mother is very calculated and intelligent. Oogie Boogie, not so much. So only based on that, I feel like I can outsmart and escape from (laughs) Oogie Boogie. That's a good point. Yeah, she's scary. Other Mother. Yeah. She is. I, mm-hmm. I actually never saw Coraline as a uh, a kid, like growing up. I saw it as mm. an adult for the first time, and she freaked me out. You know, oh, she's <laughs> honestly. I don't know why, but she got worse with age for me. I think when I was a kid, I was like, yeah, like Coraline, like she's gonna, she's gonna leave, she's gonna escape. But like yeah. watching it now, I'm like, oh my god, that's <laughs> horrific. Like she gives yeah. her the buttons, and then like basically is like yeah this is gonna happen and Coraline's like oh no 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 (laughs) yeah that's some freaky stuff (laughs) oh man well thank you so much Marissa that was in between hopefully you had some fun with us I feel like those questions were probably harder than most of the questions that we're gonna talk about now (laughs) hey hey if that's the hardest thing that we do then not bad great not bad (laughs) we're on a roll then (laughs) If you enjoyed today's in-between questions, let us know your responses, or if you have any suggestions for future in-between questions, contact us on social media. So without further ado, let's kind of jump into this. What is it like being a background painter on Nickelodeon Santiago's of the Seas? It's awesome. It's honestly, it's been one of my favorite jobs that I've actually had. The team is fantastic. Everybody at Nickelodeon is awesome. Mm. And I've, I've never worked on a 3D show before. So this is actually my first time. Oh, that's so. your first? Yeah, this is my first yeah. one. So I, I've only worked on 2D in the past. And uh, the beginning of this was kind of a, a learning experience for me. But they took the time. Everyone in the production took the time, especially the art director. Um, Sarah took the time to walk me through everything and make sure I, I knew exactly what I was doing and, you know, how to packet things and stuff like that. It's It's been really awesome. It's, it's so relaxing just to paint, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so relaxing. I feel like it's a really good way to kind of like I guess start my day and just kind of work. I don't know. It's very relaxing to get into. It's not hard. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. What would you say are the differences between background painting for a 2D show versus a 3D show that the common person like might not know? Because I actually I'm actually yeah. pretty interested in that. Yeah, it is interesting. It's definitely interesting because I I was under the impression that background painting only existed for 2D. So mm. when they approached me and I said well, we want you to background paint for 3D, I was like I don't understand what you're even saying right now. I, d- I had no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> you, want me, you want me to create instead in Maya? Like right, you want me I to like, like mm, 
I don't, I don't know how to model things, so that's not going to work out great for you. But, um, so basically with 2D, you know, everything that you're doing is essentially going to make it into the final production, right? So the exact scenes that I'm painting are exactly how they're going to show up in the background on the TV show. Nothing's really getting lost. The difference mm-hmm. with 3D is let's say you gave me like... I don't know, a tree. You might give me like a line drawing of a tree and I will I will paint the tree. I will make it look 3D and then I will show you how I did that. And I'll, like on a packet, I'll, I'll explain each piece of that tree and how I made mm-hmm. it look like that. And then they will send that to a modeler. And then a modeler will take my notes and he'll basically build it out and he'll apply whatever paint I did on top of it or whatever textures or however lighting, he'll basically work it so that it looks like what I painted. So I'm kind of, Mm -hmm. it's almost like I'm instructing somebody how to do it Hmm. as opposed to my actual brush strokes are exactly what's going to air on the screen. Does that make sense? So, yeah. So in the the case of a tree, you would explain like how you rendered the like leaves and then the bark and yeah. like, these different yeah, parts. Yeah, I might use I might use like a texture or something, um, and then I will uh. include all that in a packet and send it out to the modeler, so the modeler understands exactly what that tree looks like and how he would render it. So mm-hmm. once they render it, they know how to apply the light, the shadow, the textures, the paint, how to apply everything, so that it looks like how I painted it. So it's kind of like me mm-hmm. setting up a, a packet um, explaining how somebody is going to do this. Or sometimes the opposite happens where they've already modeled it and oh. they send me the model and then I paint the model. And then we give that to, you know, the animators to put everything together. Or, Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it sort of more like concepts or like design work then rather than because they're, they're taking what you're you know, how you've painted it in, in all of this, but they mm-hmm. still have to redo it in 3D. They're not like taking the texture that you've sent them and like slapping it on, right? Yeah, it's it's interesting because one of the things that Nickelodeon does super well that every show I've worked on for them does is they have mm. really clear pipelines. So mm. it, it runs pretty smoothly. And what's really good about this show is this is one of the cleanest pipelines I've ever worked on on anything ever. Oh, that's good. Yeah, awesome. it's, it's such a it's such a relief and it's so good. It, it really helps the job a lot um, when things run smoothly. But basically, somebody else might draw and design it and they'll go through all the steps with the art director to make sure that the line work or the design is good. And mm-hmm. so then at least when it gets to me, all I'm worrying about is applying the paint, the colors, the textures... I'm kind of looking at it as purely a paint perspective. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, I guess the distinction between the two as well is like when you're doing 2D, it's like, like you mentioned before, it's like it's the entirety of the background. You're doing kind of everything at once. If there's a mm-hmm. mountain, if there's a sky, if it's a tree, all that's done within a single painting versus 3D is more individualistic for the object or the asset that you're helping with. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes I might get an object. Sometimes I get a character. Sometimes I get props. Sometimes I get I do get a whole background that they've, they've modeled out an entire background and I paint the whole thing. So that's, that's been a really cool thing is that it varies from week to week what I'm getting to work on. So it kind of keeps you on your toes a little bit because you're constantly doing something a little different than the last one. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually I've gotten to see some of our some of the stuff I painted come back, and we've gotten to see it actually how it's going to look on the show, and it is the coolest feeling ever. It's going to look awesome. A lot of the stuff that that we're doing is going to look so cool, but mm-hmm. it is um. Yeah, it was so cool getting to see something I painted actually be in 3D. I was like, oh, I've never seen that before. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I see one of, one of my nephews is super into Santiago of the Seas right now. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, tell them mm-hmm. we have exciting things coming. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do, we'll do. Tell him. <laughs> yeah, I'll look out for your name next time I watch it with him. Oh, yeah. I think, I think the stuff I worked on isn't going to air for a decent amount of time. So you might have, uh, that, you might have some time is. on that. <laughs> <laughs> you might not see my name and then be like, oh, she's a liar. She is crazy. <laughs> Just give it a little bit of time. It'll show up. <laughs> So also like one of the other things that you've done is the Nick Artist Program back in 2020 Mm -hmm. where you worked on the Loud House movie. What do you think you did differently that kind of made you stand out for that like Nick Artist Program? Because it's also like I feel like it's a pretty prestigious program that a lot of people try to get into because it's like one of those like experiences where it's like almost like Nick's version of like a trainee program where you actually Mm -hmm. get to work on a production and have art related duties. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the Nick Artist Program is a game changer for a lot of people's careers. And it was like that for me too. You know, what's funny is I remember in school looking up the artist program, somebody mentioned it, like when I was Mm -hmm. in art school Mm -hmm. and I, I remember pulling it up and I remember looking at it in class and thinking I would probably never get that. Like, there's just no way there's so Mm -hmm. many people, like you just said, there's so many people out there. There's so many talented people out there. And I was like, no, that, that would just probably never happen. And then I graduated school. I did a couple jobs and then I had a roommate actually at the time. And the roommate was like, oh, hey, don't forget to apply. I'm I'm applying to the program. And it was the day of, which I was told (laughs) was not a good thing that I should be sharing, (laughs) but it was. So it was the day of. And I was like, "Eh, you know, whatever. Maybe I'll try it. It was one of those things. Maybe I'll try it. And I did it. And yeah, I ended up, it was just every time I thought, well, I made it this far and they probably won't call me back, but that's okay. Cause I, you know, to have made it this far <laughs> is great. And then I would just get another call and it was, it like always shocked me every time. <laughs> so I think when you're just trying to break into the business, it chips away at your confidence a little bit. Cause it's really hard. Mm-hmm. You know, you just get constant and don't, I mean, I got constant rejections too. Like, you have to you have to kind of build through that, you know. Um, right. But yeah, I was surprised, and so was all the other girls that were in my program with me. All of us were just shocked <laughs> the entire time. We were like, "Are you sure about us?" <laughs> but I was in an extremely talented group. I mean, and mm. we were all we were all really good friends too. Um, and we were in the middle of twenty twenty, so we were the group that was there for what, like maybe three three months three, four mm-hmm. months. And then we got sent home and nobody knew what was happening. And then for a minute, they were like, maybe you guys were just going to cancel. Like nobody knew what was happening. So we survived a lot oh, of chaos together. But I think from talking to a lot of the people that I spoke to in terms of the interview process and a lot of my higher ups in that program, they told me that a common theme they found in my work was uh, the personality, mm. which I really mm. appreciated because in school... I think I was so focused on trying to make things look good that I would kind of skip over what my own personality is. And I would just strive to, does this look okay? Does this look good? 
And I finally had like a little mini breakthrough where I thought my last year of school, I thought, okay, forget this. I'm just going to do whatever it is I want to do. And I'm going to only do projects that are kind of close to my heart, right? So things that Mm -hmm. if somebody were to look through my portfolio from start to finish, they have an entire sense of who I am, what my background is, things I like, things I think are funny. And so that's what I did. And my entire portfolio is consistent of all the work I did in my last semester of school. That's it. Nothing before that is in my portfolio. It's all, you know, sometimes you just have to wait for the uh, confidence and the uh, passion to kind of finally spark. And then, you know, that's what you get. So that happened for me that last year of school. And um, it made a difference. Uh, A lot of the people I interviewed with at Nickelodeon to get that position in the artist program told me the same thing that um, I have this one project that I did about my abuela's house, which is my grandmother. And I included on the props, I included a, a plastic covering over the couch because when I was growing up, the woman had everything in plastic. And, and I just thought it was like a funny element, right? I can't tell you mm-hmm. how many people throughout that interviewing process pointed to that and said, oh my God, that's hilarious. My grandma used to have plastic on the couch like that. Mm-hmm. And it was mm-hmm. weird because that was like the string element that tied everything together. So no matter who I spoke to, they were like, ha, huh, the plastic on the couch. <laughs> and, um, and I realized it is, I think when you do something that you know really well mm-hmm. and you put all of your personality into it, people see that in the work and then they can relate to it, you know? And it's about, Mm -hmm. it's about that storytelling aspect. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. a lot of it too, a lot of it too is how you, I don't want to say how you present yourself, but I mean, it's an extremely interview heavy process. Like you have to interview a lot. And then at the end, part of the process is you have to interview with like, 15 people at a time. Like there's a group of people. All oh, wow. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. When we did it, they had our artwork up on the walls and you go into a room by yourself with like 15 people and they're like, okay, talk to us. So you have to be really confident. You know, <laughs> sounds like a nightmare. Jeez. You know, Holy it crud. sounds like it. It's not bad at all because everyone there is so lovely and so mm. nice. Mm-hmm. It's not like you go in there and they're like, explain this one hue shift in this corner piece because I don't like it. You know what I mean? They're super nice. Everyone's lovely. So it's really not that bad. But yeah, you have to be very comfortable with talking to people. You have to be Mm. comfortable with um, showing your work. And there's a lot of factors. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's awesome, though, that you got that opportunity and you're able to pass all of those interviews. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm lucky that I'm usually I'm just a talker. So I can keep going for forever. (laughs) You know, so so this is no problem. But yeah, all of the girls I was with, too, all of us were like that all of us could carry. I mean, even if even if somebody's not like an extrovert, you know, as long as you can hold your own and carry a conversation. That's kind of all you need. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was an awesome experience. And they, they put they put me on the Loud House movie as a trainee while I was in the program. So then by the time the program ended, the movie was still going. Mm. And so they they just brought me on full time on the movie afterwards. So I got lucky because again, this was in the middle of 2020 and no one knew what was happening. So I was freaking out that I wasn't going to have my next paycheck or my next job. So I got very lucky that that happened. Actually on that, from you transitioning from the Nick Artist Program into being a color designer on the Loud House movie. How did those two experiences differ from one another when you're, again, kind of a trainee in one setting and now a professional in the next? 
think there's more pre- more pressure once mm. you're the professional. You know? <laughs> if I was a trainee, I'd be like, oh, I don't know. And somebody's like, oh, it's okay. And they show me, you know, but then once mm-hmm. I'm a professional, it's like, it's on you. But you know what I have to say? It's a pretty smooth and easy transition because of the fact that by the time I was brought on full-time as a professional, I was doing the same job that I had already been doing for three months, you know? So they they put you on... I think the program lasted from like January to July, I think it was. So by the time of February, I was already working on the movie as well. So I already had like several months under my belt. So by the time I was no longer in the program and I was just technically a professional... All mm. it was was signing a different contract, you know, and then I just continued doing exactly what I was doing, which I think mm-hmm. is one of the beauties of the program. It's a, it's a pretty easy transition, I think, too, because it feels very much like a safe space, which I think sounds kind of corny. But the fact that they bring you in as a trainee, knowing that you have little to no experience and they still let mm-hmm. you get your hands dirty and they let you work on things, they let you actually work on these projects mm-hmm. and uh, you know, these are a lot of times big name projects, but they let you work on them knowing that you don't have much experience and they kind of handhold you through it and they walk you through each thing. They teach you everything. So it's kind of a safe spot because if you mess up, it's kind of expected. Do right. you know, they're, they're very mm-hmm. nice about it. Cause they're like, that's okay. We kind of expected you to mess up a little bit because you're just a trainee and you don't have much experience. And we know <laughs> that. So then by the time, again, <laughs> by the time that you're transitioning into a, a, a full-time, you know, professional artist, you've already had months of, of practice. It feels like. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's definitely a great experience. It was an awesome experience that kind of helped launch my career. Almost all of the work I've done has been for Nickelodeon. I haven't really left. I've gone a couple places here and there in between, but almost all the projects I've done have still been for Nickelodeon. That's great. Now, what like what a cool studio to be at too. Like, it seems like you were there for at least a few months before the whole world shut down. But Nickelodeon's <laughs> yeah. campus is so great. Like, I I went oh, there to visit yeah. a friend of mine. It's such a nice campus. Oh, yeah. I loved it. The office was awesome. And we, you know what? We used to have, it was crazy. We used to have donuts. Every, like they used to bring in, I actually gained weight when I worked there because they would bring in, <laughs> I would, oh, they brought in so much food. We would have donuts every, I forgot what day, but like every day, I think it was every Friday. It was like donut Friday. And then Mondays, I remember this one week and one week we had donut Friday. Then the next Monday, there was some sort of celebration going on. So they got us all like champagne and cake. Then the next oh, wow. day... <laughs> It was like muffins. And then that Thursday, they had like a like a Chinese New Year party or something like that. So they the entire bottom of the studio was decked <laughs> out in, in restaurants coming to cater. So we had dim sum. We had like anything you can imagine. It was delicious. It was so good. I, I, it, was, it was a problem for me. Definitely working. <laughs> it was delicious. It, everything there was so good. They used to make so much food. It was crazy. But yeah, actually, you know, they, um, you know what they do um, at Nickelodeon? The interns, they slime them. Yeah. Every year they get slimed. Oh, yeah. In the artist program, all of us, all five of us were like, we want to get slimed. How do we do this? We want oh, to be slimed. Oh, they don't slime the... No. 
And we would, really? we would say that, and I think people thought we were joking. So they're like, oh, <laughs> very funny. And we were like, no. I, I want the slime. How do I get the slime? <laughs> we didn't get it. Uh, uh, probably couldn't at that point either, huh? In the true. pandemic. No, but yeah, working yeah. from home, I think I think they gave some of them the secret formula to do the slime so they can slime themselves at home. I saw that. I think that's once everybody got comfortable with work from home because at first nobody knew what was happening, and I think there people were more concerned about that than us getting our, our slime. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't understand why but no i'm kidding yeah that was that was insane because the studio it was like a one day decision mm. like one mm-hmm. second it was nobody knows what's going on but i'm sure everywhere was like that and then the next yeah, day it was like pretty get chaotic out. get yeah. out we'll figure it we'll, we'll just figure it out but everybody go home yeah yeah, my work was very much the same. I was only at Warner Brothers for about a week before mm. uh, I got sent home to work yeah. from home but like oh. like wednesday they started like saying like, oh, hey, it might be a possibility. Nothing's for sure yet. But yeah. like, we're just kind of shaking in. If you were to work from home, would you be able to do it? And they're like, oh, I think so. Yeah. It's like, I would just need some equipment. It's like, oh, OK, OK, cool, cool, cool. Thursday, the next day, Thursday came around. I was like, hey, I'm just coming around with my laptop. We just trying to take a quick questionnaire from like all the, the board artists. Yeah. Just if you just let us know if you were to work from home, would you need this antique? We need a computer just and like your, your right. phone number and stuff. And it's like, okay, yeah, sure. I'll type it in. Yeah. If I were to work from home, I would need this, blah, 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 blah. And then Friday came around. And I was like, okay, everybody's going to be working from home. So yeah. after today. <laughs> Two days <laughs> later. That's exactly the entire time, like, was. oh, it's not going to happen. Or if it is, like, it might happen, might not. This is just to be safe. Okay, yeah, yeah everybody's going home. Yeah, Bye-bye. yeah. <laughs> I had um, one of the producers on the movie I was working on. She, who's fabulous, by the way, she was pregnant at the time. And I didn't oh, wow. know she was pregnant because it was very early. So I was right. one of the only people who didn't know she was pregnant. And she, I remember her walking around from desk to desk that day being like i want to go home i'm trying to figure it out we all need to just go home because she was clearly very freaked out but i didn't know oh, but she was really freaked out mm-hmm. i remember coming to my desk and i wasn't you know like i said i was just a little trainee yes so i wasn't used to one of the producers coming and sitting at my desk and she was like mm-hmm. it was almost like a like a secret thing she was like i'm going home are you we're gonna <laughs> figure this out we're all going home i'm gonna get this figured out and i was like okay okay and it wasn't until like honestly like a few months later that everybody was like oh she's going on maternity leave and i was like oh that's why she was i mean of course everyone was freaked out but i was like that's why she was mm-hmm. really freaked out that's why yeah. she was like i'm going home mm-hmm. i was like i i get that sitting down like this is not a suggestion this is a threat yeah, no, I'm going home. No. <laughs> I and then i went um she went to pull me aside she's like come with me to this room and i went to another room and there was like three artists in there she turned on she closed the door she was like we're leaving i'm not staying here and i was like whoa that's so it funny was hilarious. Oh, yeah yep but you had to do what you had to do it was a chaotic time it, it's still kind of chaotic yeah. like, obviously not as much i think we've gotten used to it but like hopefully one of these days we can all be back in the studio i know but one of the things that you also have done early on in your career was working as like a background painter for these two unannounced Disney books. How did that opportunity come about and how was that experience? Well, you know, they say that everything is about connections. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was, that was how it worked for me. I am a huge Disney theme parks freak. Like I, I study Imagineering since I was mm-hmm. a kid. I know 
almost everything. I read books all the time. So when I was studying at the Academy of Art in San Francisco, they have a Disney museum there in the mm-hmm. Presidio. And it's really, it's mm-hmm. an awesome museum. It's, it's beautiful. It's, oh, it's so good. It's yeah. great. And so I decided to start volunteering there and mm-hmm. working there a little bit just because I wanted to kind of be around everything and kind of study it, you know, for free almost. But then yeah, also yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't know who was going to be speaking there. I knew a lot of times they had Imagineers or other people going there to talk. So I just wanted to kind of be around people. And luckily enough, I met Floyd Norman. Oh, who, wow. Yeah. Oh, Floyd. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The iconic man himself. I met him who's lovely. And then I met his wife, Adrian. And Adrian is fabulous she's incredible and she um she works with disney publishing so Mm. i i honestly we just all had dinner one night because somebody invited me after he spoke and i just went to dinner and i ended up just getting seated randomly in front of him and his wife and we spoke she and i spoke the entire night i love her she's amazing so I was graduating and I reached out to her and I was like, Hey, can, um, can I send you my portfolio? You know, and I wasn't looking for, uh, I mean, of course I was looking for work, but I assumed she would just give me critiques on my portfolio. I really didn't mm-hmm. think she was going to consider me for work. And she, she's hilarious because I, she was like, yeah, yeah, I'll get to it. But she's so busy that a few months passed by and I was like, Hey, I like every, every month I was like, Hey, can you, can you look at my work? And she's like, Oh yeah. Thanks for reminding me. Uh, I'll do it. And I got a text Mm -hmm. message from her one night, a few months later. And she was like, she was like, I don't mean to be rude. It's just, everybody asked me to look at their work. And I always kind of assume it's just going to be like, not great. And she was like, I actually looked at yours. And she's like, it's pretty good. And I was like, oh, thank you. Um, she's really funny. Yeah. And, and But she's very like, um, like, excuse my language, but she's no bullshit. Everything right, is, right. you know, yeah. That was so, very like blunt. Like, I don't yes. look at people's work, but yes, you know. Yeah, which is why I like her. She's great to work for because she'll tell you very straight to the point. Change this, mm-hmm. do that. You know, there's yeah. no beating around the bush. So Yes, yeah, so she texts me that and she goes, why don't you come in tomorrow to Disney and we'll figure something out? And I was like, oh, okay. And sure enough, I went in. They had a book they were working on. She was like, she she told me she could tell from my portfolio that I understood light and color, even though it's like a completely different um, style of artwork than you know, most mm-hmm. Disney films. But she was like, as long as I can see in your portfolio that you understand light and color... Cool. She was like, we'll bring you on. So I did um, two books for them that ended up being merged into one giant book due to the Mm. pandemic because they they weren't sure how they were going to do it and, you know, that sort of thing. So they ended up just merging it Mm. into um, one of those like bedtime favorites books where they have like the collection of short stories. Um, So it ended Mm. up being one book, but it was really fun. It was, it was, again, it was very relaxing, especially Mm. that one because you kind of already know the art style. So you're kind of just mimicking exactly what you see. Mm -hmm. So as long as you can get it to look exactly like the movie, the original movie, then you're you're pretty spot on. (laughs) But they were great to work for. I did, um, I was brought on as a freelancer. I don't, I don't know if they're still freelancing people. I think they work primarily in house now. Mm-hmm. but yeah it was it was really fun that was also one of the funnest jobs i've had because it was just, i also the books i worked on were um as a sleeping beauty one and a peter pan one 
Mm. And oh, cool. Yeah, those, and I love those movies. I love the art style of both of those movies. So that that was the funny part was that Sleeping Beauty was technically the first project I've ever worked on as a professional artist. And they were like, oh, yeah, here, just try and copy Ivan Earl. And I was like, go for it i'm sure it'll be fine and i was like okay all right so that was part yeah definitely i got thrown down the deep end uh mm-hmm. on on my first project but you know what i think it was good because then everything after that seemed a little easier <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 i mean they definitely wouldn't have asked you to do it if like they didn't think you could so well, mm-hmm. thankfully, in the end, I think it came out pretty good, but it was uh, it was hard. It was mm. definitely hard. Yeah. Yeah. What better way to uh, test your worth than to go against Ivan Earl? <laughs> My God. And you know what, too? Part of um, one of the exhibits I worked at at the Disney Museum was an Ivan Earl exhibit that they had. So I would walk around his paintings all day long, mm. you know? Um, mm-hmm. So I don't even know if that subconsciously played a role in anything. Who knows? But I, I knew that that was a tall order when they said that. I was like, <laughs> all right, I'll give it a try. <laughs> That's so great. Is that something that you would want to go back and do, like work on some other children's books? Yeah, that was really fun. Yeah, definitely. I would love to do that. That one, I was just background painting. So they had other people designing the backgrounds. And by the time it got to me, I was just painting them. So I don't know. I know a lot of children's books, you would be designing and painting the background. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So that would still be something a little different, but it was fun. And you know what was even more fun? going to target to buy the book and then like keeping it in my house like and i bought Aww. i bought for everyone i know and it, what was funny was i went to a barnes and noble the first time i saw it i ran to a barnes and noble i didn't know it was out for six months i thought it was i was like when oh, is wow. this thing gonna come out and they were like it's been out for like months and i was like oh my god because <laughs> they changed the name because they ended up merging all the books together so it was a different uh. name so what happened was i ran to a barnes and noble and like a little kid i freaked out and ran to the kids section grabbed the book was turning through it like dying to see it the lady there thought i was crazy the lady who <laughs> checked out the store was like this person is insane she really, really <laughs> likes children's books. <laughs> I was taking my picture with it, and the woman was oh just staring God. at me. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. It's yeah, kind of yeah. interesting that they broke it up like a uh, designer and painter, kind of like a, a TV like pipeline. A yeah. yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think, I mean, it kind of helps. Like I said, yeah, I've yeah. been lucky that working on somebody I've else's on, uh, design work. Yeah, that kind I of thing. Yeah. Everything I've worked on has had a pretty smooth pipeline. I haven't mm. had a lot of issues yet. So, That's knock good. on wood. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was it about like animation that made you want to pursue pursue it as a career? Well, you know, what's funny for me is that I'm almost like a late bloomer in animation. I grew up watching it as a kid like anybody else, but I was never um, obsessed with it or in love with it. I never really caught all of my attention like uh, a lot of my colleagues were that, you know, from a young age, they just fell in love with animation. I, w- I just wasn't like that. I, like I mentioned before, I've always been obsessed with Imagineering and Disney parks. So mm. from a young age, because my family is originally from Miami, we would drive. I grew up in Houston. We would drive from between Houston and Miami or we would fly back and forth a lot. So growing up, we always stopped in Disney World for like, I mean, once or twice a year, we would go stop mm. there. And so 
And my dad's a huge Disney fan too. Like he loves Imagine. He's very creative. So, so from a young age, I not only loved it, but I was also looking at it already from the perspective of somebody had to build this. Somebody had to design this. Mm -hmm. And so that to me shaped my love of storytelling. Fast forward Mm -hmm. to graduating high school. I was talking to a school counselor for the the academy that I went to. And Mm -hmm. um, she was like, I think I kept talking about illustration, but then I kept saying things like storytelling and story and things like that. And she, she was like, I just feel like you need to look into visual development. And I was like, I've never heard of that. I don't know what that is. She's Mm. like, I'm just saying, I I think you should look into it. It sounds really close to what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And once I looked into it, I was like, oh, that's the word for what I've been. Yeah. You know, trying <laughs> like to Like illustration yeah. slightly different. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, that's what it is. And it was weirdly enough through art school that I started familiarizing myself more with, with a lot of animation. And once I started to de- understand how um, visual development works and how people, um, artists work in animation, then it was like once I had that kind of understanding, then I could look at a lot of animated things. Mm. With and be like, oh, that's beautiful, or or have really have an appreciation for it, and kind of fall in love with it. So for me, it was more of a later <laughs> thing than than when I was a kid. But I think for me, because I've been lucky to work on, like you mentioned, I've worked on books, I've worked on themed attractions, I've worked on TV, I worked in TV film shorts. Like I've gotten to work on a lot of different kind of mediums. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the thing that always connects all of them is an understanding of, of design and storytelling. Mm. So I really appreciate that I can take this knowledge that I have, but I can apply it to so many different mediums and so many different things. And I think it's good too, because it keeps kind of the blood pumping because you're, you're working on um, things that can be completely different and it kind of keeps you refreshed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anim- animation for me was, was more of a, a later love. <laughs> no that's great that's great that like at a young age though you had like this inclination that you knew there was some kind of storytelling element besides it just being a pretty drawing or a pretty visual yeah the thing that's amazing to me is i I basically as a kid recognized that when i walked down main street usa or adventureland or frontierland or whatever i Mm -hmm. felt a different way you know and and for me growing up in houston as a Latina. I didn't have, I should say, I grew up in a suburb outside of Houston. So I shouldn't say Houston because Houston is super heavy with Hispanic people, but the area I grew up in was not. So mm-hmm. I always felt like I didn't understand a lot of people around me or I didn't totally fit in. And I, it was kind of hard to connect sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I used to love, love, love as a kid, just always going back to Miami because I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, these people, I look like them. I understand what they're saying. You know, (laughs) I can relate to them. Mm -hmm. And so for me, every time we would again be in Florida, we would go to Disney World for me to kind of leave behind all those feelings of do I fit in? Do I not fit in? And to just simply feel like I'm, it sounds corny, but to feel like I'm just myself going through these different lands um, I knew how it made me feel. So I was like, that's really cool that somebody can draw something on a piece of paper and plan it out and then to build it. And then that can change how I feel about my own situation or, or you know, that that can change where I'm at or make me feel like I'm in the middle of a story. And I just knew I, mean, I wanted to replicate that. 
<laughs> yeah. Totally. On that topic, like how does like your cultural background kind of influence the work that you do and in your, in your art? Um, I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, which is when you infuse your own personality into your work, mm-hmm. I think it comes across. I really do. I'm a strong mm-hmm. believer in that. So I, in my portfolio, I painted what I know. So I, you know, that's being, I don't know a world outside of being Hispanic. (laughs) You know what I mean? But it shapes it Mm. because, you know, when I, I can't really talk about anything outside of my portfolio, which I haven't done a lot of new work because I've been, thank God, working so much. But Mm -hmm. within that portfolio, again, everything in there, I don't want to sound like I'm tooting my own horn. I think it's well done because I knew what I was painting. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think when you do something that you know and, and it it really has your personality in it, I think it, I think people see that and they relate to it. And that's kind of the whole point of what we do, right? Is animation is storytelling, but it's also people have to connect to certain things, mm-hmm. yeah, to be able to understand it and to be able to go let you in to take them on that journey of the story you want to tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. kind of like being vulnerable in your, your work. Yeah, and people of. see that, yeah. Yeah, you got to kind of let people in. I mean, I mm-hmm. heard somebody say that, that they I actually, you know, what's a good story or a learning experience for me was that part of what kind of created this whole um, epiphany for me in the middle mm-hmm. of school was I went to CTN and I was petrified to show anybody my work. Petrified, just absolutely. <laughs> and I'm usually a pretty confident person, but this was petrifying to me. So I was really scared. And my whole objective for that weekend was to just show one person my work, just one single person. And that would be like a win for me. And I went up to somebody and I don't think they were having a very good day. And they oh. ripped me apart. Absolutely ripped me apart. Destroyed me. It was bad. It was very bad. And I mean, I tell you, it was really bad. But he, the bottom line of what the guy kept saying to me, though, is he said, there's no, no personality to this. I could walk to five other people and say, show me your portfolio and your work would look exactly the same as theirs. There's nothing here. And I was oh, the man. more I let that sit in, I was like, he's not wrong, though. Mm-hmm. You know, that was kind of the big learning experience for me. And then that's right before I, I got into that last semester where I just started kind of cranking things out. But I was cranking things out that I was having fun with, that I was cracking myself up. I was laughing. I mm-hmm. there was there was real hints of my life in there, and I think people see oh, there's there's life in that because I recognize it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like that's also like not such an uncommon critique as well because I I have a friend of um you can have a friend of ours that got like a similar critique when he was at CTN as well. Oh where yeah, he has these great like you know illustrations, these great like yeah. you know, drawings and stuff. But the the critique that he got that stuck with him is like. The, this doesn't have any personality like I, you're you're a great painter mm-hmm. you're a great designer but like i can't tell you what any of these designs are feeling yeah mm-hmm. and that's it's exactly like what yuki said that it's almost a vulnerability of sorts almost you know you kind <laughs> yeah. of have to let people in a little bit to see who you are but by the time they open your portfolio to the time that they end it they should have a general sense of who you are 
Mm-hmm. You know, and it doesn't necessarily mean culturally or something like that. That's just how it was for me. But it should be even in the sense of what do you think is funny? What's your humor like? What do you, are you very serious? Are you, mm-hmm. um, what are your interests? What are your likes? You know, they should be able to get a sense of that, I, I think, through looking at your portfolio. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, one of the things I also kind of want to ask you is that, do you have like any future aspirations for yourself in this industry now that you've been in it for like a few years now? Um, definitely. I think you should always have future aspirations. Um, (laughs) It'd be sad if you didn't. I think I've been very lucky, like I said, to have been able to work in a few different mediums already so far. Mm -hmm. So I think that was something I had wanted to do was to explore different mediums. So I'm lucky that uh, I've already gotten the chance to kind of get my hands dirty in that. But I've also, I kind of want to continue doing that. You know, I, like I said, big imaginary geek. So anything with themed entertainment and theme parks, I can't get enough of. So I'd love to pursue that a little bit more in the future. I'd love mm. to... That'd be amazing. Yeah. I'd love to maybe art direct in the future. You know what's funny? I had never thought about pitching a show or an idea ever in my life. And then throughout the past couple of years I've been working, I hear a lot of people kind of talking about that or, or doing pitches. And on Santiago, I know that it was developed by Nikki Lopez, who's our leader. She had an idea and she pitched it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so cool. I've heard a lot of people talking about pitching shows and their ideas. And to me, it's really inspiring that even the show I'm working on now, Santiago of the Seas, that just came from somebody's idea. And, mm-hmm. and I, I got to see that fully realized. And especially the fact that I am, you know, I, I'm, I'm a, a Cuban kid, a Cuban American kid who grew up in Texas. So everybody around me was mostly Mexican. And in Spanish, like in class, we always had to learn like a Mexican dialect and nothing like nothing Caribbean. So to see mm. somebody who's Caribbean on TV and now getting to be a part of that and showing little kids like there's different forms of Latinos, you know, there's we have mm-hmm. different accents, we have different cultures and um, all of getting to show all that and be a part of that just because somebody had an idea that they wanted to represent their culture, you know, I think that really inspired me. So Absolutely. who knows, maybe, maybe I'll have an interest in pitching in the future. I don't, I don't know, but I think it'd be pretty cool. That'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's really incredible. It's, it's so sweet actually that uh, you say that, you know, somebody had an idea. Yeah. You know, and now it's an mm-hmm. entire show that really shows the nuance of these different cultures and yeah, and it's pretty really cool. teach kids things. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I think growing up, you know, it's one thing that I didn't see a lot of Hispanic people on TV. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. I mean, that's just one thing. But then yeah. in addition to that, almost everybody I saw who was Hispanic on TV was Mexican. So it's like, yeah, I still feel represented. I still see somebody who, who does kind of look like me. But it's also like, you know, there's different forms. Of, of Hispanic, right? You know, there's different, and we have we have a lot of different nuances and a lot of different cultures within that. And so, getting to see or getting to work on a show now that takes place in Puerto Rico, and you know, we're getting to use a lot of Caribbean culture and Caribbean heritage is really cool to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What you said rings very much true because it's the same thing with the Asian community as well, I where bet. all uh, the Asian representation tends to be either Chinese or Japanese, but yeah. there's, you know, sure. there's different brushes, like you said, of yeah. like Asian Americans here. Yeah. And it's definitely, mm-hmm. it's, 
I, I can't stress enough how important it is, I think, for people to see themselves represented in film and TV. I feel like it's one of those things that a lot of people think that sounds corny, but it, it really makes such a huge difference for people to see themselves represented in their cultures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Marissa. Of course. Before we get into our final question, where can our audience find you? And is there anything you want to plug? Um, well, they can find me on Instagram. I'm not great at social media, but I will try. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, they can find me on Instagram and on my website, which is marissatorresart.com. And they can see what I'm doing there. But... I would plug the Loud House movies on Netflix right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, Santiago the Seas, you can't see yet, but it's coming soon. And it's going to be awesome. Yay. Yeah. Cool. cool. <laughs> and as we come to a close, is there any final advice you would want to bestow on those that want to pursue a career in animation? Um, oh, it sounds hard. I know everybody always says this, but just keep trying. It's really hard to break in. It really is. But you know mm-hmm. what? When lightning strikes, it does. And, and sometimes it's later on for people. Sometimes it's earlier on for people. But I think as long as you remain passionate about what you're doing and that you remember to go out there and to... I think a lot of people tend to be shut-ins when they're trying so hard because I was like that. I kind of shut myself in and only worked on the portfolio. Mm-hmm. But you have to remember mm-hmm. to go out and experience life and enjoy life so that, that way you can take that life experience and put that back into your work. And it'll make your work a lot better than when you just kind of tune everything else out and only work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, but well put. I think that's something we oftentimes, especially as students, tend to forget. Yeah. You're sometimes when you're so focused on your assignment or trying to create a good portfolio piece that you forget to experience life that can inspire your portfolio pieces. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, excellent. Excellent advice. And if you, audience member, enjoyed our interview with Marissa today, please rate and follow us on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you tune in. We're on Apple Pods now. Please leave us a rating. That'll really boost us in the algorithm. I believe Spotify is also doing a new like rating system. So if you could mm-hmm. uh, leave us something there, that would be great too. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at straightaheadap. If you have any suggestions for future guests, please contact us on social media or send us an email at straightaheadpodcast at gmail.com. We love to discover new professionals and want to use this platform to boost these voices of the future. Special thanks to our editor, Ashley Itleon. And finally, a big thanks to our music composer, Daniel Rodier. Thanks again for listening. And thank you once again to our guest, who has a bright future straight ahead. Until next week, have a wonderful day. Bye, Bye. everyone. Bye.